There's over a trillion dollars of waste in supply chains today. The net zero carbon emission is something that corporates are taking very seriously. To meet these objectives, they're going to have to take into consideration CO2 emissions. Welcome to Net Zero Carbon, a show at Freightways where we focus on all things sustainability and transportation. I'm your host, Danny Gomez, and today I'm lucky to be joined by Lynn Lyon, who is uh, leading sustainability initiatives at U.S. Game. Lynn, thank you so much for joining us today. Hi. Thank you so much, Danny. It's a, it's a pleasure. Lynn, you know, we love to start the show off by having people really talk about their background and, you know, how they came to sustainability and, and, and speak to the passion. Um, do you mind just giving us, you know, a little bit of your background? You have um, an interesting, um, you know, very successful career, um, not just in sustainability, but in hydrocarbons. So just love to see how that path has led you here. Yeah, I, I tell people when um, I started out coal miner's daughter in West Virginia. So when you grow up uh, in that area, you start thinking about where electricity comes from pretty early in your life. And then I ended up spending about half my career doing consulting after I left the area, uh, ended up in Texas, worked for one of the largest oil and gas producers in West Texas. And at the time, uh, my boss asked me, what can we do with alternative fuels? So I ended up converting our fleet. So we had F-250s and Peterbilt's heavy duty trucks. And uh, about 10 years ago when we were doing this, natural gas was a good way to do that, especially if you're the one producing it. Uh, so I went down that path and I learned all about the challenges of trying to change a fleet over and putting in stations and um, making sure that your drivers are happy and understanding all the people, process, and technology that goes into that. Uh, then I went to work for one of the largest uh, alternative fuel systems manufacturers based in Norway, and I they really showed me the way regarding what could be done with electric and hydrogen, so I was very fortunate to get to work with them for a while. And then most recently, I joined U.S. Gain, and I'm on the fuel side now. So all the things I've been learning about technology and the hydrocarbons um, kind of come together um, with infrastructure, and that's where probably uh, U.S. Gain is playing the biggest role in uh, lowering emissions. That is awesome to have people who have, who have these stations in life that, you know, lead to really a culmination of, you know, of, of leading us to sustainability and having that background, I think is super helpful, you know, as we talk to firms in, um, in the space and transportation, there is so much momentum behind how things um, has, have historically worked. So without the context of that, I think it's hard for people um, some, the, there's a tendency for people to come into the industry who don't have the context or have um, the lived experiences. So I think that's hugely helpful as um, hopefully over the next 20 so minutes, we, we uncover what is possible um, from sustainability perspective. What is U.S. Gains role as you see and how do they fit into the market? What are kind of the typical customers that they deal with? Uh, U.S. Gain is a 10-year-old division of U.S. Venture. U.S. Venture is a 70-year-old energy and transportation company based here in Wisconsin. I'm, I'm in beautiful uh, Green Bay today, right across from Lambeau Field. Um, with that, um, they got started with two oil trucks 70 years ago, and they have diversified. Um, it's a privately owned company. It's now a $13 billion company. And what I really like about U.S. Gain, this division, they didn't start this last year or the year before. They've been doing this for 10 years with alternative fuels. So um, we have a broader group of companies. We have Breakthrough Fuel that does the works with the 100 largest shippers in the United States with $20 billion of freight that moves through. So we've got a very diverse business, but we also have um, a real 
focus in my division on decreasing emissions? So as we talk to firms, um, you know, generally speaking, we see that there's a lot of recognition at the large corporate level, right? That they're, you know, whether it's Jamie Hunt rolling out um, initiatives and, you know, having sustainability reports or Convoy doing the same, you think of shippers like Nike and Coca-Cola, Walmart, they all have these very big initiatives and they seem like they're kind of leading the charge in, as it re- regards to sustainability. And one of the things that we always talk about is, you know, how do we level the playing field and how do we make sure that medium, small size carriers, owner operators um, aren't going to be losing out on business because of, you know, maybe a momentum or a push for sustainability, just kind of up for context perspective. How do you see from your vantage point, the market unfolding, you know, kind of, I was saying there's, it does seem like the large corporates are, are, are making moves. Have you already seen that push down to the mid and small sized firms, or is it still early days in as regards to sustainability and transportation? I think there's an acknowledgement that this is something that's going to have to be addressed. So, you know, I've worked with a broad range of companies all the way up to very progressive companies like UPS that's been out there doing their um, doing their thing with hydrogen and electric and every alt fuel they've tried out all the way down to like most recently I was out in Midland, Texas, you know, where you think it's going to be one of the last places they're interested in having this conversation, but they are, they're actually moving forward with a company, a services company that's going to be moving their sand with vehicles that are, have an electric drive using renewable natural gas or natural gas to drive it. So everybody understands at this point that there's going to be some level of accountability, especially if you're a publicly owned company. Now with some of these smaller carriers, like you're talking about, um, I know a lot of them are privately owned, um, but th- they're very fortunate that they've got leaders like UPS that's out there trying to help them. They're like leading by example um, and companies like Amazon now, too. They're out there and it's really a polyfuel approach. That's what I'll say, too. Um, that's what we really see that people go out and have, um, you know, 20, 30 is eight years away. If they've signed up for the Amazon pledge, that's 2040. So they've got 18 years. How do you do that when? Just a few years ago, we were saying we can't even do a five-year strategy anymore because that's too far out. We're trying to do two-year strategies. Now we're asking for eight, 18, 28 years. Um, that's just, that's a, that's a long time. And, and how do we start get past the planning stage too and actually get going? So you have to look and see what some of the larger companies are doing, um, like Amazon, like UPS, where they're dividing it up and they're saying for this part of my freight or my movement, um, I'm going to use electrification. For this part, I'm going to use natural gas. For this part, I want to keep my combustion engines, so I'm going to go with renewable diesel. Um, so there's a, there's a variety of ways to decrease your carbon footprint and um, kind of having an open mind and finding good partners that don't jump too quickly down one path. I think that's the, that's the best approach. I think that's really interesting. We hear, we were talking to Eric Neandros from GNA um, on a, one of our early episodes. Yep, good guy. Yeah. And he was like, you know, I was in, I was consulting, we were consulting for a company and they had come out and they said, we're going to be hundred percent EV on this lane by 2025 or whatever, whatever the year was. But in, in analysis, they, you know, they unearthed that that was not the best place to focus. So I think, you know, to your point that there's a tendency for firms to, to commit, um, but I love what you say about having kind of this pragmatic approach and having 
different tools um, depending on what the market and the situation that you're operating um, dictate is is appropriate. As you as we think about um, a couple things. One, you said partnerships. I think that's resonated and been mentioned on almost every podcast we've had. And it's it's pretty astounding. Folks who are not involved in sustainability, but are involved in transportation um, and hear about the types of partnerships that are happening with potentially would-be competitors, um, I think they're shocked to see the amount of collaboration that's that's happening, which also speaks to another point that, that, that you've said is which we're, we're all in a race, but we're not racing against each other, right? <laughs> so um, there is this... It benefits all of us. Correct, right. And, and it's, it's really um, inspiring to see the types of pilots and programs that are being put together. Um, and as we think about the transition to, you know, zero emissions, you know, you mentioned polyfuels. I think it's helpful for the audience to really dig in there um, and talk about, like, one, just define that for us. Um, and how do you see that playing into this transition? And with that, how do you, like, what types of partnerships and, um, and initiatives and pilots are you starting to see that are helping either with U.S. gain or just across the market in general? Yeah. And interesting you say Eric too. Eric was my consultant 10 years ago when I converted my fleet. So, and I've been to every act every year since they started. So, uh, it, they do a fabulous job. I think when when getting started, I, I can only imagine the example that Eric was talking about because we have a situation recently where there's a large company and they have a plan to convert eight stations to electrification. And they've been doing natural gas for a while now, So they, um, but they ordered trucks four years ago, four years ago, and have not seen one. And this is a large company that has a lot of uh, power if they can't get their trucks, how are these smaller guys going to get their trucks? So sometimes you kind of have to try to back into your goals. So when I talk to a company, uh, usually I, I like to say that um, zero is easy math, you know? So everybody's like, yeah, of course I want zero. Well, um, why do you want zero and how are you going to get there? And so if they start saying, well, um, I need to get to zero by this date and I don't know if I can get trucks. So then we start talking about what they're really trying to do and how they can really get some metrics that their their board, their shareholders, um, whatever other organization, their chief sustainability officer, how are they going to pull that together? And it's not going to work to go back and say um, there's a backlog on electric vehicles. That That's not going to work for them. So that's where you have to start saying, okay, well, maybe I am going to have to keep my combustion engines for a while longer. We've, we have assets that we've already paid for. So maybe I'm going to go to renewable diesel. Maybe I'm going to try biodiesel. Um, maybe maybe natural gas is an option for me. Um, what is maybe learn about what renewable natural gas is, renewable diesel. And, and it's hard because, like I said, zero is an easy number. <laughs> it's, and, and so and then the same thing, too, we get into hydrogen, which is. It's fabulous for range, but very expensive. So you can go back to your boss and say, yeah, we can do it. We Again, it's a little bit hard getting the trucks right now, but it's we're going to pay a premium for this fuel. Are we are we willing to do that? Can we pass along, especially in a time with inflation? We already have inflation. It's already driving prices up. Are we willing to pay a premium for the transportation? And most of the time we're hearing that, you know, people want lower emissions, but they're not necessarily willing to pay a premium for them. Yeah, that's interesting. We, you know, we have, I mentioned the working group. We have the working group. Um, one of the first meetings that we, we held, we put together a survey and the, the feedback we got from, 
um, LSPs was that they don't feel like they're getting incentivized to do the sustainability things. And they don't, even within um, the 3PLs, that there wasn't an incentive really for employees to be pushing for sustainability at this stage. I think, again, we're well, what we feel like is that we're in the early innings, but to what you, a point that you made earlier that the awareness and the recognition is here, which is, I think, a really um, small but very important step into the progression of sustainability. With 35% of trucks on the road driving empty, 87 million metric tons of carbon emissions are produced annually. Leveraging machine learning and automation, Convoy is efficiently connecting shippers with carriers while reducing carbon emissions. Learn how Convoy's technology can help your business run efficiently and build toward a no empty miles future at convoy.com slash sustainability. Um, you mentioned a lot of the biofuels um, or the alternative fuels, I should say. Is that synonymous with the polyfuels um, comment that you're making earlier? Yeah, that's what I, if you think about power generation and what a pie chart would look like, and you're going to see some coal people, you know, that's going away, but you see natural gas, you see solar, you see wind, you see geothermal makes up that pie chart. And right now on the transportation side, that same pie chart is almost all diesel or gasoline. And so I think some people think that that whole pie chart is going to go to electric or a larger percentage. And I think um, a big portion of it is because it's going to work well in some applications. But for a lot of reasons, it's a good idea to have different pieces um, of that pie be represented by um, renewable diesel or biodiesel or renewable natural gas, hydrogen. There's a reason there's different applications that work better and new technologies that are coming in every day now. I mean, if Cummins is able to get a combustion engine running on hydrogen. I mean, that's that's a game changer. Um, I love what Hylion is doing uh, there in Texas with uh, with their hybrid that uses natural gas and electric drive. I mean, there's a lot of creative, there's a lot of, uh, right here in the US, I love what Nikola is doing. We just have a lot of creative uh, companies coming up with solutions right now. And it might not just be uh, one size fits all. It's definitely not. Yeah, and I think what, the thing that you're that you're harping on here is that there is no one size fits all. That everyone needs to do the work to understand what makes sense from a fuels supply perspective, from an infrastructure perspective. And so I think there, what what's commonly said, um, and going back to Eric, what he said is you've got to do the work up front to understand. And just what you're saying, like you, you're asking the questions, why do you want to do this? Like what is the goal? Like what are the what are the factors that are pushing you there? As we think about Again, how this is impacting, there's the headlines, right? You, everyone's drawn in by the headlines and whether it's EV or a big, you know, a big box store that's doing something. Um, but often that what doesn't make the headlines is what's happening on the ground level. What are the owner operators, what are the carriers doing? You mentioned that it's early days still, still that there's, there's not yet that price signal to be making those investments. Um, but there is some pressure probably and probably some early actors. Um, and there's some partners like Convoy who are trying to help, you know, educate their, their, their group of carriers that, um, tend to be on the smaller side. What do you, like, what, how do you see this playing out, right? Like it doesn't feel like sustainability is, or, or the push for sustainability and more sustainable freight is going away. It does feel like it's early and there's some signs that, you know, that it will start continuing to, pu to push to, to pull down from the top. Um, and reach the mid and low size size um, carriers. How do you how do you see this playing out? And what does what's the impact? How should people be thinking about positioning themselves 
to to respond and not to fall behind? Um, and what kind of investments do they need? I mean, is, is there really hard cash investments that they may be making now or is that coming at a later date? I, I think they have to start at the strategy level, of course, but also embrace their employees' ideas because their employees are out there feeling this every day. You're having pressures at the global level from the United Nations, depending on how, you know, how you view the world um, at a federal level with Build Back Better looks like it's moving forward again Is that, you know, from yesterday. Um, so we see maybe infrastructures coming. Uh, then there's the corporate level. What's your company trying to do? And then what do you personally want to do? What role do you want to play in this? So I think um, kind of coming up with a strategy um, where you start with an assessment of where you are now. I know several years ago when I was working with my fleet, um, the, the easiest thing you would think I could get an inventory of my trucks <laughs> was not easy. I mean, because each area asset area had their own trucks and they like to run them and, you know, none of your business, <laughs> you know, I, I manage my trucks. You don't need to know. Um, so an inventory of your trucks um, an, an inventory. And then another thing is I surveyed some of my guys at the time and they did not want to switch to alt fuel. So they sandbagged me on the, they're like, Oh, I drive too many miles. And then later when we bought the trucks and we had to do the investment, I didn't get the ROI I was expecting because they didn't, they drove half of what they told me. So uh, right now there's a lot of this, you know, really uh, informal ways of capturing stuff. People are doing estimates based on your spend. Um, just trying to, I guess, find your starting point, what you're comfortable with. And I think that makes people very uncomfortable too, that they don't know what they don't know. Mm-hmm. And then you bring a sustainability professional in at the executive level and sustainability is so broad. This piece that we're talking about with the missions, this is one piece of it. That person's being responsible for diversity of their company, uh, water, um, electric, and um, transportation is just one piece. And depending on their background, I've found that I've had um, sustainability executives reach out to me and say, on the side, hey, can we talk about emissions? Because this is not my area. I got hired because I'm really good at this piece over here. That is a very broad landscape for that sustainability professional to have to manage. And then um, as it goes down, they start asking for data. And if your company's not asking for it, your customers are going to start asking for it. So upstream or downstream, if you're a company that is um, making pies, you've got the apples that are coming into your facility, you've got the pies going out. Um, how, how, how many, what is the emission impact of the upstream and downstream part? Not just what you're doing there in the center as well. Um, trying to find out how you're going to go about that. And then once you once you have a starting point, then you have your opportunity to look at alternatives, you know, different routes. You know, um, UPS always says like uh, the mile not driven is the best mile. You know, there's a lot of things you can do around optimization. Um, even diesel technology, there's cleaner, better ways. Now, just getting a new diesel truck is, is a good impact. So kind of starting with where you're at, getting your assessment, and then being, you know, you're kind of given, you're given permission to be creative and kind of bold in your ideas right now. So if you're an employee of the company and you think, hey, I'm willing to try this truck out, I'm willing to help figure this out. Because if you want to make something work, it'll work. You'll, you'll stay, you'll stick with it. That's what the UPSs of the world do. They figure it out. It's not like that they don't have any problems with these trucks. They do. And I can tell you again, with some of my drivers were fabulous. They loved driving the trucks. They were so helpful. They would take them to events. I would get them hats. We would put, um, I would take like a little heart and put, my drivers love this truck. And it was true. But then 
when we very at the very beginning though, I swear, if the windshield wipers didn't work, they'd say, Oh, it's because of natural gas. My windshield wipers aren't working. So motivation, attitude, you know, you really have to work on that with all of your employees, everybody involved too. And a big part of that is the key performance indicators. So having worked with fleets for a while, you know what they're focused on. They're focused on safety. They're focused on fuel efficiency. They're focused on driver satisfaction. And so when you add this emissions piece, that really shakes up their world. They're like, you know, I I need to, you know, don't talk to me about hydrogen or, you know, electric. That sounds, that sounds, you know, dangerous. So you really have to understand the mindset of the key performance indicators that the best people in the industry have been focused on safety and fuel efficiency for a long time. And kind of this really shakes up their world. And they're, they're thinking, well, if I do that, I'm going to miss out on one of these other, my, my costs are going to be out of whack. And a huge one, I have no idea what my return on investment is going to be. So my resell of my truck, I have no idea what I'm going to do with this truck in five years, what the value is going to be. So really understanding the impact that these people on a day-to-day basis, you have to make these changes, the pressures they're feeling on a personal level. I think that's huge. I mean, one of the things in having this conversation with you that I really hoped to, excuse me, to uncover is really those, that type of emotion, right? That they're right now in freight, it's been a very hectic, rewind 18 months ago, you know, you couldn't, you know, Everyone was lining up to, to enter the industry. Right now, we're seeing rates fall off and it's creating a lot of pressure. Um, and so there's a lot of, you know, people who are in this industry, the large group of, you know, small owner operators who are helping to, you know, they were unsung heroes for so long. Um, and we came to realize and appreciate how much this industry does for everyone on a day-to-day basis. Um, and more appreciation has has come to the surface. But at the end of the day, um, you know, there's a, there, there is just kind of this assumption that supply chains are going to work, right? And in regards to what the pressures people are facing now, then layering on sustainability, it feels like timing isn't great, right? Um, because people are trying to survive and understand what's happening in the market, you know, how far things are going to revert back. Um, and so there is, there is this concern that I generally have, which is how do we, it's, how, how are we going to get the large long tail to help move us along? And it seems like in what you're saying, and you're not, maybe you're not saying this, but at least what I'm, in, what I'm hearing is that th- there does need to be some market driven signals here. Like the people at the top, the large corporates do need to send the right signal to the firms that are providing the services by way of saying, Hey, we think this is important and we're going to price this in. So you understand how important we feel like this is in the long run. Do you feel like that's a fair assessment? And is that, are you starting to see any of that component in any of the freight procurement? With everything else now, I'm hearing higher prices for all trucks. You know, it's higher price for your regular truck. Um, it's in the alternative trucks are still pretty expensive. So on the policy side, I mean, I just got back from DC. I did a brief, a congressional briefing last week. Uh, we're trying to get the message out that we really need the incentives on the vehicle side. Um, we talk a lot about infrastructure in this country. That's going to be, that stuff has to be done hand in hand. Um, I've, Talked, I remember talking to FedEx not too long ago, and they were talking about their vehicles and 
there, another company that's out there, you know, showing us how to do it. But think about the software side, how complicated that is. I mean, right now we think about, we pull up a truck, we take the nozzle, we fill this year, you've got software to software talking all the time. So there's a software upgrade on the, on the charging side. There's a software upgrade on your truck. There is a lot more challenges associated with this. And there's a lot of companies involved. There's not there everything there's, we don't have a lot of standards at all. So those are the kind of things that, um, we need we need the government's assistance with we need some we need some motivation for the entrepreneurs that are out there coming up with these new ideas but we also need some level of consistency and we need help on the truck side the acquisition side especially for the the um the smaller fleets i mean we know that the ups's know how to do this they have whole divisions that know how to write grants and do policies and uh, get the most for their money but when, when is it 80% of the trucks are like 80% of the firms are like smaller firms. Um, they really need some guidance. So I think we need incentives on the acquisition side. We need some guidance on end of life. People are worried about what are we going to do with these batteries? We need to kind of, um, show people a picture of how this could lay out and give them the incentive to step up and be willing to try it out and not feel like they've picked a loser. I mean, that's the main thing. Nobody wants to pick a loser. Nobody wants to have a um, 80,000 pound uh, paper lift sitting in their, you know, behind their building that reminds them of a bad purchase they made. Yeah, that's Lynn. I mean, there's so much to uncover here. I've learned a lot just in us talking. I know that everyone else wants to continue to, um, you know, the people who are, are tuning in here, I, I believe, and I hope that they're um, interested in learning more and figuring out how they can do better. Um, for those folks who want to get connected with you and U.S. Gain, what's the best way for them to reach out to you? Probably the best way is LinkedIn. I'm on there all the time. I feed the machine, so it's Lynn Lyon on LinkedIn. Also, I'm um, active on Twitter as well. It's uh, Lynn Murray Lyon on Twitter. And um, my it's Lyon at usgain.com if anybody wants to email me directly too. Um, and I just love being part of the conversation. So that was the other thing I would say. Um, I mentioned earlier how active I am on LinkedIn and Twitter, and it's not out there promoting my company or promoting myself. I love being part of the conversation. So if you have a question about this or you want to talk about a certain truck or a certain angle, reach out. Well, we really appreciate it. Um, we need um, more people like you helping lead the charge. So we, um, we're grateful for your time today. Thank you, Danny. I, I love talking with you. And I guess I'll see you in November at your event. Exactly. Yes, we have uh, the future of freight that's happening in Chattanooga. So it should be um, a great event for freight and a great party as well. So we hope everyone. Yeah, I think I think you're going to have a really strong turnout. So I'm looking forward to meeting you in person there. Likewise. Thank you. trillion dollars of waste in supply chains today. The net zero carbon emission is something that corporates are taking very seriously. To meet these objectives, they're going to have to take into consideration CO2 emissions.